This week, we learned that the U.S. CPI was 6.42% higher than it was a year ago, December over December. Do we really care all that much? If we think back a couple years, we looked at the CPI was one of those second or third tier macroeconomic accounts that basically nobody paid attention to. So this hyper focus on especially this version of U.S. consumer prices is really a product of our hyper focus on consumer prices in the United States. Now, I've got Mr. Stephen Van Meter joining me here today. We're going to talk a little bit about the CPI, but I think we want to discuss, we want to emphasize how there's more going on here than just U.S. consumer prices. And if we look at just U.S. consumer prices, we might be maybe not missing the boat, but missing enough of these empty boats that we don't feel they don't feel the real big picture here because there's a lot more going on here. And the U.S. CPI is really just a small part of what is an overall picture that is telling us a lot about not just the economy of 2022, but how we're starting 2023 and what the rest of this year is is, is likely. We don't have a crystal ball, but is likely to look like. So, Steve, let's start with the U.S. CPI. Let's, let's set the table a little bit, but we want to go way beyond the CPI. We want to talk about how that fits into the overall picture. So we start with the U.S. CPI, 6.42% year over year. That's a seasonally adjusted number, still trending downward, right? So as far as markets are concerned and most commentary, it looks like consumer prices are at the very least softening. But what is it about the softening that we should really be paying attention to? Yeah, it's a great question, Jeff, because you're right. The CPI was a second, third tier report because it didn't change. I mean, it was like, hey, somewhere around two and a half percent. Wow, shocking. It's been there for years. And guess what's probably going to be next month? But as you didn't mention, we did see a minus 0.1% month over month. But that's even then, that doesn't really mean anything. Because why does anybody suddenly care about the CPI? It's because it's the Fed, right? If CPI goes up, we're going to get more hikes. If CPI goes down, maybe the Fed will pause or maybe they'll cut back to a quarter percent hike on February 1st or whenever they're going to meet and make their next decision. This is all a fixation on the Fed. And Jeff, as you and I have talked about on your show, we knew the, the CPI was coming down. The euro dollar futures market has told us this. The yield curve has told us. And which one do you like? Pick the two tens, the three month tenure, pick, pick any one you like. They're all telling us this. Look at gasoline prices. You know, so this isn't just a U.S. story because the U.S. isn't an island. And a lot of people think of it that way. And yes, this is all about the Fed, but really there's something a whole lot deeper to the story. And that's called the rest of the world. The rest of the world. Yeah, I think that's really it, right? Because we're hyper-focused on the CPI because the big elephant in the room in the last year, 2022, was these rate hikes. And so if we're trying to figure out what it is that motivates these rate hikes or motivates the end of rate hikes, then we are. We're just focused on strictly domestic conditions, especially domestic consumer prices. And the CPI just happens to be the first one that comes out every month. So we look at the CPI as if it's the definitive signal about what Jay Powell is going to think about next month. And you're right. That's, I, I think that's understandable to a, a absolutely a certain degree. Because, again, the Fed has been, has loomed large over everything, but it's not just the Fed. And that's not really the reason why consumer prices have improved. Now, I know you, we were talking about this before we started the show here. 
You wanted to talk about South Korean export prices. I wanted to talk about U.S. export prices starting from there. So I'll do the U.S. export prices fell by about two and a half percent month over month in December, which is another I think it's the sixth straight month in a row that U.S. export prices have declined. U.S. import prices uh, rebounded a little bit, but they're down five of the last six months, too. So trade prices overall. So we're not just talking about U.S. demand. U.S. export prices are about global demand for what the U.S. economy produces and ships. There's a lot of agricultural products in there, but it wasn't just agricultural prices that fell. In fact, it was non-ag prices that fell more, uh, non-ag export prices that fell more than agricultural. So the U.S. CPI isn't just focused on, isn't just telling us something about what monetary policy out of the Federal Reserve is going to be. There's a macroeconomic case that, again, as I said in the beginning, ties into everything else. Global economic demand, which includes the U.S., seems to have taken a really bad step to end last year, right? Yeah, exactly, Jeff. And I wanted everyone to make sure we understand we're talking about price, not volume. Now, we can look at trade volumes elsewhere, but right now we're talking about price. And this is a real simple story. It's supply and demand. So if demand for U.S. goods from the rest of the world was going up, then you would expect the price to go higher. In this case, we're seeing the price go down, as you mentioned, uh, five or six out of the last um, six months. And that tells you demand for U.S. goods is falling. Now, even the import prices coming into the U.S., which is highly correlated to, of course, the fabled consumer price index that we're all fixated on at the moment. And matter of who knows, six months, we probably won't care about it again. But nevertheless, it's telling us the U.S. or not just the U.S. economy, because this is what we really want to talk about. It's not a U.S. issue. This is a global issue that the global economy is slowing down. We wish we could say maybe this was just a U.S. issue. Maybe this is just because of the Fed, but it's not. This is going on around the entire world. And we could you know, certainly make the case when you have a massive withdrawal of fiscal and monetary stimulus on top of other factors, which I'm sure, Jeff, you'll get into, you see the global economy deflating here. And that's what we're trying to point out. Yeah, the old adage that the cure for high prices is high prices. <laughs> that, you know, that the, the supply shock that began in 2021 was always going to be transitory. The problem was, again, that we thought we were, a lot of people were waiting for Jay Powell to save us from that, from what everybody thought was inflation. So there, the focus on rate hikes, other people interpreted inflation as something else. Therefore, it was just the trigger for rate hikes, where you and I, I think, agree that, if it was just supply versus demand, as you were saying, then eventually demand ends up being uh, destroyed enough by high prices because it, the economy gets redistributed in more unproductive and uh, harmful ways. We just needed to wait for prices to start coming down because demand would come de demand would come down first. And what's important to me is that when you look at U.S. export prices versus, say, the U.S. CPI, is they're in lockstep here even though they're talking about and they're focused on two different parts of the global economy. One is the domestic economy. One is the global economy. And both of them are saying the same thing. Something big changed in June of last year, which is before the rate hikes really got going, which means global demand really did start to get impacted enough by high prices that for the second half of last year and to begin this year, demand has gone soft. And we see this 
everywhere around the world, not just in the US CPI. There was, uh, I know we want to talk about Chinese uh, trade statistics, for example. Um, Chinese exports were down nearly 10% year over year. And a big one was the US. <laughs> US import, US, Chinese exports to the US declined by 19.5% year over year in December, following a 25% decline in October. But it wasn't just the US. Chinese exports to Europe fell 17.5% year over year in December. And those, in, those are by value. Those are, don't even, they don't even tell us what the volume was. So by value, Chinese exports, when, as you know, Steve, China is the center, still the center of the global trade universe. And if China's having trouble selling its exports around the world, that tells us more than just the US CPI here. Yeah, Jeff, and I, I want to just see if our audience caught something that you slipped in a minute ago. Did you, and maybe I heard you wrong, did you say that if the cure for higher prices was higher prices, did you insinuate that raising interest rates by central bankers is completely meaningless and would have absolutely no effect? That perhaps if we would have just waited this out, that the same thing we're seeing today, now maybe not at today's time, maybe would have happened sooner. Maybe it would have happened a little bit later. Are you trying to suggest to me that central bankers have no authority, no power whatsoever? And this would have happened anyways. Yeah, that's exactly the case I'm making. <laughs> uh, again, Eurodollar futures inverted the first time in December of 2021. That was months before the first rate hike, even more months before the first aggressive rate hike in the United States even more months before the first rate hike in, the, in Europe. So what the euro dollar futures curve and the flattening in the yield curve had told us at the end of 2021 was that the probability that the cure for high prices was high prices was exceptionally high. And then everything that we saw over the first half of 2022 was higher prices, which therefore raised the probability even more that the cure for higher prices was going to be those high prices. And that's where you see, like, for example, a um, lot, of, lot of macroeconomic data, including Chinese trade, really started to tumble in the summer, June, July into August. Everything changed because of that major price spike over the first half of the year. So, yes, in my view, when you see all of these consumer price numbers correlate to exactly a June inflection, which, by the way, that's when we saw these inversions in euro dollar futures and the yield curve really go exponential was at that time telling us the economy was suffering from not rate hikes, but from the condition of high prices from the supply shock. So yes, central banks, Steve, do have the ability to influence behavior in certain cases and mostly in the short run. And yes, I am saying that if the central banks had done absolutely nothing, we would largely see the same things that we're seeing today, maybe on a different schedule with certain different certain uh, minor differences, but by and large, the supply shock, the the effect on consumer prices was always going to be transitory. You know, Jeff, I want to add something here because a lot of people, when they hear your dollars, your dollar futures, inverted curve, it it, it I get it. I, when I heard you first talk about it years ago, I didn't understand it. But just to give people a quick snapshot, if you're listening to this first time, or even if you listen to this for a while and you still are trying to figure out what he's talking about here, outside the U.S., there's large, the largest amount of dollars are sitting outside the U.S., and those positions have to be hedged. 
And so when Jeff refers to you know these large deep hedgers in the currency market, what they're trying to figure out is are they do they need to hedge against rates going higher? or rates going lower. So when he says the curve is inverted, and it's very steeply, Jeff, I'll let you comment on that, very steeply inverted, maybe the worst it's ever been, I'm not sure. What he's telling us is these people that are in charge of this gigantic pool of dollars outside the US are saying that rates are gonna come down, meaning they're a leading indicator of what is going on with the global economy. Yeah, that's a really good point about it. It's that you think about and even those, you know, especially at the Federal Reserve and mainstream economists who like to think that euro dollar futures don't matter, they say, oh, it's just hedging. And you have to laugh at that because, as you said, Steve, these are people who have massive, massive financial positions. They have massive, massive risks in those financial positions. And so if they're if they're afraid of something and they're starting to they think I need to hedge my multi-billion dollar and then multi-tens of billion dollar strategies based on what I'm seeing in the real economy or the real monetary system develop, you should pay attention to that because it is literally trillions of dollars on the line here. And if more are starting to hedge for rates going lower than rates going higher, when everybody in the world expects rates to go higher, that should grab your attention. And then you start to think, well, what does this actually mean? So in December of 2021, as you were saying, suddenly some of these people in the euro dollar futures market were thinking, I need to hedge and hedge in a way that's going to pay off if rates start to go down. And this is December 2021 when everybody was convinced rates are going up and they're, they're probably going to go up by a lot. So why would anybody in December 2021 start to hedge for lower interest rates? And the answer is because they were thinking more and more as prices accelerated at the end of that year, it was going to play out as the supply shocks always do. That eventually the economy was going to felt tough, it was going to fall off, and that was going to lead to no matter what central banks had done in between, they were going to hike rates and then have to turn around and bring them back down. The only real variable there is always it has always been timing. When does this happen? Well, that's a, that's really hard to predict. But as, as you're pointing out, throughout last year, the euro dollar futures curve, like the treasury yield curve and other curves around the world, their inversions got steeper and steeper and steeper and biblical and epic and historic because the certainty with which the market or the, the extreme level of confidence about the, the conditions in the real economy and therefore the, the need to hedge for lower interest rates has gone through the roof because those in the marketplace are saying, Yep, we were right. <laughs> the cure for high prices really does seem to be high prices. And oh, by the way, guess what prices are doing? Since June, they have been following along that same path, which tells us markets are perceiving that, yep, we were right to worry in December 2021. We were right to worry so much more in June of 2022. We're even more worried in January of 2023. So there's there's a real picture here. And it's not just about the U.S. CPI, right? Yeah. So again, you, you, you just handed me a plate that I was looking for you to hand me. And that was it is here. We're talking about the CPI, but Jeff, in the beginning of the show, you and I almost didn't seem to care. It was almost like, Hey, it went down big surprise. Now, maybe if it would have gone up a bunch, we would then have a discussion about how that surprised us. But what I want everyone to understand here 
is the euro dollar's futures market. Why does Jeff care so much about it? Why does he call himself euro dollar university? Because it's a leading indicator. And I want you to see the progression here. So we see the inversion start to begin in the euro dollar's futures curve. Then what happens? Well, all of a sudden you start to see inversions in the US treasury market. Lo and behold, a shock. And all the time you hear the, the the Fed chief, in this case, it's Powell, rate hikes, rate hikes, rate hikes. And next thing you know, you start to see these other things. Well, wait a minute, all of a sudden the CPI is starting to come down. All of a sudden, global prices are starting to come down. All of a sudden, you know, global trade volumes are starting to come down. And you, and again, as Jeff just said, and I want you to say, he said, we can't put a timeline to this, but what we can see is the leading indicators. And what the curve is telling us is the probabilities, not only that the Fed will eventually cut rates, but inflation, not just in the US, but around the world that is coming down is exceptionally high right now. And it could change, but these hedgers in the euro dollars future market are saying, look, this is a real concern here. And that's why we're seeing this path. And I want you to see that there is a path to this. So, so far, what we can take away from this is, again, Jeff, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, is the probabilities that the global economy is going to slow in the months to come and it's going to be validated by the official data is exceptionally high. Yeah, that's the big takeaway here. Again, the CPI was not a surprise. It was just another signpost on a road that we already knew we were heading down. And the markets took it as, yep, see, we, we, we were afraid of this to begin with, and it's happening exactly as we thought it would. And that's what I kind of, that's what I like to talk about all the time is like, at every juncture, the economy has a chance to go one way or the other. Does it continue on the same road that the Eurodollar futures market plotted out for it in advance? Or does it turn? Does something happen and, and move it into another direction? And at every juncture, we keep saying, no, it, it's going in the same direction that these inverted curves had forecast ahead of time. And what are the chances now that we've we've all, over a year into this process that something radically changes from here? And the markets are saying the chances of that is almost nothing. Um, just a final couple of thoughts here, Steve. Yeah, I, I just want to add one thing is because ultimately the path of where rates go isn't going to be dictated, like you said, by the curves or necessarily the Fed. It's going to be the economy. If if we indeed happen to have a soft landing, I personally don't think that's likely to happen. But if we end up having that, then there's not going to be a huge cut in rates. If we have another financial crisis or some dot-com bubble or massive meltdown, uh, you can easily expect the Fed to be back at zero faster than you can blink. Yeah, I think that's a really good final point, too, because everybody that's one of the biggest problems to something like Eurodollar futures, that we're all taught the Fed is in charge, it controls things, and here's the, here's this big market saying Fed's not in control. In fact, the Fed's going to follow what we're saying, and it leads to a lot of confusion. So thank you for pointing that out, Steve. I really appreciate it, and I'll see you again next week. I look forward to it, Jeff. All right, take care.